0: Welcome to the What I Wish I Knew podcast put on by Education for Tomorrow Alliance in Montgomery County, Texas. My name is Corinne, and I am your host for our season three of What I Wish I Knew. This podcast is all about the emerging leaders and the steps they are taking to reach the careers that they have envisioned for themselves. We are excited to invite you or welcome you back for our Season 3 and have you join us on this journey as we speak with young leaders from Montgomery County, Texas and beyond about their careers, the steps and advice that have helped them along the way, and their dreams for their future. If you're a local student and would like to learn more about EFTA and the programs that we offer, please visit our website at www.efta-us.org. If you're not local to us and you found our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, we're so glad you're here and we hope that there are some little nuggets that you can take away from each of our episodes um, about how you could better prepare for future education and future potential jobs. Um, And we're just excited to have you along this journey. Thanks for joining us.
1: In today's episode of the When I Wish a New Podcast, I sit down with Dr. Baruch Williams, who is a licensed psychologist that specializes in neuropsychological assessment of children and young adults. She has obtained extensive training in the cognitive and behavioral development that takes place throughout childhood and early adulthood. Dr. Williams worked as a research assistant at City University of New York Queens College in the Laboratory of Developmental Neuropsychology and the Laboratory of Biological psychopathology. She then returned to her hometown of Houston, Texas, where she obtained a clinical psychology degree from the University of Houston with a specialization in neuropsychology. She acquired additional training at Texas Children's Hospital Bluebird Clinic for pediatric neurology, as well as at Memorial Hermann Hospital. After completing an internship at Baylor College of Medicine, Texas Children's Hospital, Dr. Williams completed a postdoctoral residency at Kennedy Krieger Institute at the John Hopkins School of Medicine. Dr. Williams is experienced in neuropsychological assessment of children with attention disorders, learning disabilities, um, autism spectrum disorders, and a host of other medical conditions. This was such a fun um, episode and such a fun conversation with Dr. Williams, and um, I hope that you listeners out there that maybe have a desire to follow in the same path um, and find some little things to take away and to apply to your future education and potentially your future career. Hope you guys enjoy.
2: Hi, Brooke, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing
0: today? I am doing well. Happy Friday. Yay, it's the <laughs> end <of> this. <laughs> Yes. Well, I um, thank you for joining me. I know you you were on our Women in STEM panel this past summer for our virtual internship program, and um, we're kind of becoming to be in the same settings within chambers. And so I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit more, but also share your journey with our listeners and students within Montgomery County. So we'll just jump right in. I gave a little bit of introduction about you um, at the front of the podcast, but if you could just tell our listeners um, about
1: yourself.
2: Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. Um, my name is, uh, again, Baruch Williams, and um, I am a pediatric neuropsychologist. I know that that's kind of a little bit of a time twister, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm a pediatric neuropsychologist, have been in the field for quite some time. Um, I um went to school for high school at the High School for Performing and Visual Arts here in Houston, Texas. And um, it's really where I started to have my love for psychology. Mm -hmm. And um, over time that developed into a love for the brain and neuropsychology. And I've always loved working with children. And so then here I am, pediatric neuropsychologist um, at the Neuropsychological Assessment Center of Houston, um, where I am the president and owner and CEO and all of that great stuff. <laughs> so what, what schooling
0: is required for, for, for someone to become a pediatric
1: neuropsychologist?
2: Well, after you finish your high school, um, your great grade schooling, then you obviously need to go to college and you right. need to get your BA or BS. Um, and then following that, you need to get your master's degree. You now, some programs have a master's PhD program combined, and that's sort of the type of program that I did. Um, and so you need to do that as well. And the master's PhD programs combined typically take about five years, maybe six okay. years, depending um, on the program. Um, and so, yeah, it's um, total about 10 years of school.
0: <laughs> Outside of after high school. After high school. Okay, yeah. all right. I think that gives, that gives students just kind of an idea because you think, okay, four years of college,
1: Mm -hmm. two
0: to three to four years of master's depending on what the field is and it's since it's so different for every even within like the medical and within Mm -hmm. um, that field, it's different for every I mean I don't know one person that has had like the same track Um, right education within the medical field or something like that
2: and it can differ even within a program like I took an extra year some people don't take extra year some people take more than an extra year so it really becomes individualized um, you know particularly in graduate school um, program okay so you mentioned your
0: like love for the brain and psychology, and then kind of finding that love for children. What do you feel like you were being called to whenever you solidified? You made the decision. This is what I'm going to do. This is the path I'm going to take.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I will say for the longest time, um, I was um, you know very interested in working with children. Even at church, I you know volunteered working with the children, and so I always just knew like children are so fine. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to work with that population. Well, when I went to um, high school and was in theater at high school, the high school and performing, the high school for performing and visual arts, um, you know, we really go into depth with like the characters and their emotions and feelings. And I really was like, I think I like, you know, want to go into psychology. So then there became like, okay, I have this calling to work with children, mm-hmm. this calling towards psychology. And then once I got into college, um, someone did tell me about neuropsychology. And then I started thinking about like, well, what do I like about psychology the most? Like my classes at that time. And it was like, oh, I like learning about the brain, um, mm-hmm. the anatomy of the brain and um, how that relates to certain behaviors and certain thoughts. Um, and then that's how I was like, yeah, and this sounds like a field that I would really want to um, go into with regard to understanding the brain behavior basis in children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like a whole nother world that I like, <laughs> you know, exists and you know is needed, but like, it's just a lot to understand and a lot to learn. And oh,
2: yeah. And the brain is such a complex organ and we're still like learning so much and that
0: was my next question does it like is there something new All like are you learning new things i like, can wow. keep
2: up with yeah the learning process never stops and i really enjoy when i have like unique children you know with unique concerns that come in and i'm like oh okay i you know need to learn more about this yeah. And, um, and that's what I do, I go to, to the literature and um, it's, it's, you know, you're never gonna know everything. And that's one thing that I think at this level of education that we learn is how much we don't know. Right. <laughs> and yeah. um, you become very keenly aware of that. And, 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 and knowing that you know how to access information though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what you don't know and or, or you yeah you know you don't know you know then that you have to um um access literature from other professionals where that is their area um and so that's what that's what i do <laughs> yeah no, thank forever you. learning forever a learning process
0: yes and mm-hmm. listeners we'll just throw that into life in general you're always learning
2: you <laughs> should be because if you're yes. not, i don't know what you're doing <laughs> Just existing, I guess, but we have- Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So did you do anything along the way? And I'm sure there were things that were required as far as like work studies or I don't know if they're called internships within your field. But did you do anything along the way to help prepare you as you kind of took the step after graduation,
2: entering into it on your own? Into my career? Yes. Okay, so um, one thing about uh, pediatric neuropsychology and neuropsychology in general is that after you technically graduate, you still have more training. Um, So there's two years of postdoctoral training. So it's like, yes, you are a doctor, but you still need some more training. (laughs) You want to make sure you know what you're talking about before you go out there and work with the children of America, America's future. And so after that, um, I did a two-year postdoctoral fellowship, um, at Johns Hopkins, um, Kennedy Krieger Institute in Baltimore. Um, and yes, that was a you know, very challenging, um, experience. Um, but I learned so much and I'm forever grateful for it. Um, but it definitely prepared me, for, um, life, you know, outside of, um, training and in private practice, or if I wanted to go into the hospital setting, I feel great doing that too.
1: Yeah. Okay. Awesome.
0: So there you can this, I don't know. I don't know a ton about neuropsychology. So there are options where you can be like yourself and own your own practice and center, or you can enter into a healthcare system of a hospital or doctors and things uh,
2: group or something like that definitely I mean I think most neuropsychologists that are like um, um, trained you know from the very beginning of graduate school to be neuropsychologists um, usually go into either academia so they're becoming Professors, researchers, you know, at major universities, or they go into what we call the academic medical setting. So they um, here that might be me being a neuropsychologist at Texas Children or at Memorial Hermann, both places where I have trained at some point in my career, in my training or yeah education. Um, Or then you have those like me who are very, we're probably more limited in number who actually go out into um, private practice. Okay. The idea is that your training prepares you to be in the, in any of the, any of those sectors Um, as a PhD in clinical psychology uh, with the focus in neuropsychology. um, Our training prepares us to be in the academic setting, the academic medical setting, or um, the private practice sector. Well, I will say, private practice is there's some more hands-on, right. <laughs> you know, learning that happens there because we in our training. Let me take that back. In our training, we we don't necessarily get taught some of the business right. aspects um in management aspects of a private practice that is more something that you have to learn from talking with mentors and you know um making you know decisions and errors and learning <laughs> yeah. from those errors yeah and we we've heard
0: that from some of our other guests is that you're so like so studied in one area that whenever you do go out and open up your own practice, or you open up your own business, or something on the science, there's a lot of things that the business, basic business classes and accounting classes and things like that weren't included in your major. It's like a whole nother learning curve, or you're talking to your mentors, or you're hiring someone that knows what they're doing a little bit more. So uh, we've heard that before on this episode or on some panels with some professionals. Right, right.
2: Yes, that's definitely, you know, true. You have to do the work to reach out um, to, to those who have been there before, mm-hmm. you know, to give you the guidance, but there's so much, you know, to learn. There's a financial aspect, there's, you know, keeping up with taxes and things like that, that no one, man, yeah, you're not going to get taught that in, <laughs> that's the importance of having mentors. And that has been like, one of the best things for me is to have uh, mentors in pri- some in private practice, yeah. that, like, have been very accessible, like, they may not have all the time in the world because our time is very precious, but they will take out 30 minutes and they will say like, this is what you need to do or this is how you get started or you're on the right track. And I'm so appreciative of, um, of having those individuals in my life, life and, and my training, as well as those who have given me like the bread and butter of right. you know, neuropsychology. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: no, that's great. All right, we're gonna take a short break. Welcome back. Today we are speaking with Dr. Baruch Williams, who is a pediatric neuropsychologist and the president and CEO of Neuropsychological Assessment Center of Houston. I said it. I think I did it right. You're
1: right. You <laughs> okay. did it right. <laughs> okay.
0: Somehow I end up, I like interview people who like their their title is long or I've said their <laughs> last name wrong. And so I like try to practice. And so everyone, everyone, all us are probably like. Um, she needs to really get with the names of so, the, you know. happens, like, all the
2: time. And my hope is that like Natch Inc. will become like the okay. instance, like, what people know. Uh, but just, I'll put that in your intro part
0: so that okay, it's okay. So,
2: so, like people like you know in the beginning like it's kind of like I want people to know it's a neuropsychological assessment center, you know, and not and they'll be like, what's Natch? You know, I don't right. want that. <laughs>
0: So I want to ask a question and I, these next three are ones that we ask whether you're on a panel or whether you're part of the podcast or internship program along your journey. And this can be for when you were in school or maybe within the opening of your own practice. What has been your greatest accomplishment?
2: Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I think my greatest accomplishment has probably like been my greatest challenge as well
0: <laughs> yeah. you go, that's my next question so you can just put the two together if you
2: kind <laughs> of blend together you know i started um natch um in um the middle of a pandemic in um s- no september 1st 2020 um and that was you know a challenge in and of itself like does it make sense that I'm doing this? (laughs) But the timing, um, felt right. Um, it was a challenge to, you know, figure out how to, um, let people know about my services when, you know, door to door really wasn't the best thing to do, um, you know, at the time. Um, and so I had to figure out you know, different ways to kind of, you know, advertise and put myself out there um, and, and that was, you know, quite, quite a bit of a challenge in the beginning. Things were really slow mm-hmm. and I like had these lofty goals, um, at the beginning, Well, maybe they weren't lofty. I think that they were just, they were fair. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, so I, you know, I wanted to see this many patients a month and then the next month I wanted to double and the next month I wanted to double and, um, you know, At first it was really slow and I was like, is is this, is this going to happen? Like, you know, am I going to be okay? Um, But I just stayed persistent and um, I, you know, we're still definitely a growing practice, um, but things have really taken off. And I feel very you know, fortunate that more and more people are learning more um, about the services that we offer in Natch and about how we can um, be helpful, yeah. in helping the child, not only in school, but outside of school and just transitioning to being a successful adult. Um, but so I feel a sense of a, accomplishment um, in that, I'm still here. <laughs> Things are still going and they're going well. And um, I mean I was just selected as an honoree for um, the Houston Business Journal Women Who Mean Business award. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And that meant like a lot to me because you know as ner- as psychologists we can't go around and report our success or, you know, failure rates, whatever you want to call it. We can't, we, you know, our information is, um, is private, is protected um, given, you know, privacy um, laws. And, um, and so we can't go and say we, you know, I did this or this family said this about me. And, you know, that's typically not how we practice. Um, And so to me, being recognized with that with that award made me see that even if people don't necessarily know exactly what I'm doing in my office mm-hmm. that they're seeing me be impactful in the community somehow somehow they see me doing something that's great and and that is um and that is what I try to do like not only am I you know, focused on what's happening clinically with my patients, but I'm also thinking about how I can be of impact in the community as a whole. Right. Um, and so um, that, that on that award definitely made me say, yes, whatever I'm doing in the community, I need to keep doing. And, you know, um, if anything, do more of it.
0: Yeah, no. That's great. Congratulations again. I mean, thank you. (laughs) It's been a year for you on just on top of everything. And
2: (laughs) it's been a year. Yeah. A good one. Lots of learning.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, that's awesome. So I guess I could probably answer this question or think about what your answer would be, but where do you see yourself in five years?
2: Well, I definitely um, want to continue to grow. Natch, you know, I um, really like bringing on like-minded individuals into my practice. Um, I already have um, a wonderful neuropsychologist who works with me now, um, Dr. Jennifer Chang-Tran, and she focuses with like autism um, because that's more of her specialty area. And I would like to continue to bring on individuals whether it's therapists or speech therapists or occupational therapists um, who just enjoy working with children and or adults in the future. Um, And I'd like to grow my practice in a way where um, multiple services, not even, you know, just limited to our evaluation, but other services that are pretty pertinent to the development of children can be offered. Um, hopefully by then there will be a second location um, as well. So those are, those are my goals. Yeah,
0: (laughs) no, that's great. And definitely, as you said, a service that's needed. I mean, does it, doesn't matter the grade or which school or anything like that. Um, There's definitely the need for people to just have, have extra resources like schools do a great job but sometimes that's limited in staffing and things like that so um i think that's a great great goal and to be able to add in all those different components to be kind of like a mm-hmm. oh, oh i don't know what the word is i'm making a hand with my circle My <laughs> circle thing is but i don't know what the word that i'm trying to like, like um, a Well, not a well-rounded i don't think that's right but just like a all-encompassing uh-huh. One-stop shop.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to call it a one-stop shop, but he kind of is like that. Well, like,
0: yeah. <laughs> in a professional level.
2: Like, like a collaborative, you know, yes. effort towards helping children progress. And, um, you know, multi multidisciplinary is, yes. is what I'm thinking. Um, that's the word that we tend to use in the hospital where there are like, you know, uh, different individuals from different professions that are working together towards the progress and development mm-hmm. of a child and so it's multidisciplinary. Yeah, and that's what A multidisciplinary practice <laughs> in five years.
0: Yes, that sounds better than one stop shop. So, <laughs> um, so, as you know, just from participating in our internship program this last year, a lot of the students that go through EFTA programs are kind of that junior, senior level in high school. What is that one piece of advice you would go back and tell your high school 17, 18 year old self?
2: Oh, I probably have to go back earlier than that to give myself advice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can, that's acceptable. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. So like, I don't even know how to say I, There's, There's so much. One thing I'm always looking back on is I'm like, oh, I had the opportunity to learn so much. And sometimes, you know, when you're younger, your focus is just like kind of, going different places and that's normal and even in grad school sometimes I'm like if I could go back to grad school I would love to take this class because once you're in the real world and you realize like how important it makes sense to you why you needed to know some of the things that were taught before but when you're actually there and you don't have the real world experience yet you're like okay I'm learning this but (laughs) You know, so it just makes. I would love to go back and take like courses now, and even as in a as a person in my career now, and in like you, you, I'm really there. I'm not training anymore. This is just all me. Um, when I participate in webinars and different educational, um, you know, conferences. Like, it's, it's for a different reason. Like, I'm trying to really gain this, like, knowledge to apply it. The earlier I could understand, that the one can understand that, I think, the better, um, right? But, you know, that's hindsight. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say, though, that I'll never forget. I think someone said it in my junior year um, of high school at HSPVA I think the seniors always get to kind of like each senior gets to have like words that they say um to the lower levels at least in theater and (laughs) I'll never forget I don't know who said but they just said it's going to be okay like it will be okay no matter what the situation is know that like it will be okay and I've never forgotten that um and I think that that's such an important, um, it's simple, but it's true. Like life has its valleys and peaks. If you're in a valley, you're going to come out of it eventually and there will be a peak. If you're at a peak, please know that a valley will come. Um, (laughs) um, But in either situation, it's going to be okay. And this too shall pass. Yeah. But I, I just I've been I've I heard that since I was a junior, you know, in high school, and so that's one thing that I, you know, try to tell, um, tell others who are you know at that stage in life, it it, it'll be okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I think that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So we like to end each podcast with just a couple of fun, quick get to know you a little bit more, but maybe on a little more like. I don't know fun side um so if you so what are three things that you have on your desk that others might not have okay
2: well um one thing I have is a brain well, a real... I
0: was thinking is she <laughs> tell me that she has a brain on her desk like <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm picturing like a little plastic one or like one in the jar like when
2: we were no! like a little rat's
0: brain or something I
2: hate that. That would be pretty cool. They do have those, but I don't have one. <laughs> Not yet. Um, but um, mine is a, a plastic model brain. It's a, a heavy one though. And it like comes apart. And if you ever come to any events that are like by the chamber, the health and uh, wellness and fitness expo, I have it out there. Um, and um, and yeah, and I like to show people it. And this is a part of the brain where this function happens mm-hmm. or all the dysfunction so um I I, I like uh, to have my brain uh, particularly at events where I can actually take it apart and yeah. um, different parts of it um the second thing so I'm very close with my uh family especially my niece who is 13 and uh, <laughs> this is gonna be weird but this the Baybel baby bell cheese um if anyone is familiar it's wrapped in this like red wax yeah. One day she was at my office with me and um, she's like, let me have the wax. And I'm like, okay. And she created, and I love kissing her, even though she's 13. I still go, I aunt, aunt still love kisses, kisses. She kisses all the time. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and she made a kiss out of it, like a a, a little um, kissy thing, a mouth thing. I don't know. Oh, like that's cute. And uh, she and I like I looked over, and she's like, "Here." She calls me Titi, and she's like, "Here, Titi." And I was like, "This is so cute." And I just kept it on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a random thing. I'm sure uh, Dr. Chang Tran, who I work with, is probably like, "What is this?" <laughs> Um, the other thing that I always will have on uh, my desk is, um, a timer, um, always have a timer nearby because a lot of tasks that we do are time tasks. And so, um, I, I can't do my work without having some type of stopwatch. (laughs) Every neuropsychologist will have a stopwatch. Yes.
0: (laughs) It's like the graduation gift. Yes,
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, Okay. (laughs) That's a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) It's engraved on the back or something. Yeah, like like
0: the golden stopwatch. (laughs) And then the last one is if you could have one meal for the rest, once you had to have it every day for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: I, okay, I'm gonna have to be honest. And if you're not from the South, you you might not know like exactly what this is. Um, I've learned that everyone's not had it before. But I love oxtails. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that is, and I'm from the, i mean, I'm from here.
0: So, but I don't know.
2: The oxtails are—I mean, I guess they're just from the cow, like the tail part. I don't know, but they are so great. They're like—I mean, it's a beef, but it's—I'm kind I'm trying to see how I can explain. Do you fry it? it? Do you bake it? No, no, it's usually like smothered in gravy. Oh. Uh, but otherwise some other places um it depends on what region you're in like in the south it's smothered in gravy um if you're more up like on the northeast side um they tend to make it with like a dry rub like I've only had it like bacon style um but it is so good it is one of my favorite meats ever um and I'm not a huge like meat person like I don't eat am not a steak person, but, um, like I, I like fish, but otherwise I'm not a huge meat person, yeah. but I love oxtails. In fact, I had an oxtail party one year for my birthday. Um, it was a, uh, complete, um, just a party with oxtails, rice and gravy. And I asked, um, I think I wanted Pete, was it peach cobbler? I think it was peach cobbler that I had. Um, yeah with it so we just had this oxtail party I have not talking about it for years and my sister makes them so well um yeah. so that's what she made and I can eat it every day not a lot because they're not really healthy for you yeah. <laughs> I have to
0: find I'll have to find a recipe and put in the show notes for people to like look it up themselves because I'm like yeah. I've never I've lived here my entire life except for a couple years in West Texas and I've
2: never heard that so yeah. <laughs> You will not if you go to the right place, you will not be disappointed i'm gonna have to bring you some Corinne.
0: <laughs> okay. right. I'm a, i'll eat the meat so I, <laughs> I there's some things that if you tell me after i'm like, Oh, I'm not super happy that I ate that but <laughs> you put me on the front end i'll be okay. <laughs>
2: yeah well that's I mean I think I think you would be you know you would like these I think you would like these I don't know too many people that have eaten them and um have not enjoyed them yeah okay I'll have
0: to try it I'll have to try it with you so well thank you so much group for joining me um I know that you've got a busy schedule, and so I appreciate um, you giving me some of your time to share kind of your journey and your story and a little bit about the work that you do with our listeners um, for the What I Wish A New podcast, uh, but look forward to being able to work with you and do some more things within the chamber and then with EFTA um, in the coming months and years. So, well, so- I
2: really enjoy, you know, doing this, um, you know, like I said, like I've explained to you doing this type of, I don't even call it work, but just having these type of opportunities, you know, um, and you know, I have individuals, um, who reach out to me at different levels. Um, one year, um, there was a, um, I I won't say his name, because I don't know, like, but I I know his name, but I won't say it. Uh, But there was uh, a young man from the John Cooper School who reached out to me and was like, I'm doing a project, you know, on, you know, STEM. And I want to be a psychologist when I grow up. Can I interview you? Yes. Like, I love that type of thing. So, you know, if anyone wants to reach out, um, you're like happy to include my email information. And, and yeah, I, you know, I'm happy to help and impart uh, what I've learned in this life so far um, with anyone who is interested
0: yes well thank you so much listeners if you'd like to learn more about EFTA and the programs that we offer online and in person you can visit us at www.efta-us.org thank you again Brooke
2: thank you for having me